this afternoon I have the privilege of preaching the word of God to you concerning the, the commandment, honor your father and your mother. We'll do so by looking at what the church has summarized and confessed in Lord's Day 39 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Day 39, the question asks, what does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. After the proclamation of God's word, let us sing together. We'll sing from Psalm 78, verses 1, 2, and 4. of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you ever watch the news or read the newspaper, you're often going to come across stories of people who are deeply cynical of those in government. It happens from time to time that stories surface about government officials who use their power to their own ends. And so some people talk as if everyone in government is corrupt and that they're self-interested. Seem to think that there aren't any honorable government officials. There's no one who sincerely works for the well-being of the people under them. What's true in government is also true of others. We read stories in the newspapers of parents who abuse their children, of the clergy which abuses the members of their church, or who of bosses who mistreat their employees. The truth is that there are people in every area of life who have abused their authority is that many in our time are deeply suspicious and also cynical of those in authority. And sometimes it's easy for us to also get caught up in that. The whole culture around you breathes this spirit of cynicism, the spirit of discontent, so it's easy to adopt that mindset as well. But we should remember that authority comes to us as a gift of God. Authority is necessary for the proper functioning of society. With no authority structures, the result is always chaos. It's happened on numerous occasions where authority structures were overthrown. But on top of that, we should also remember that there are many in government or in the civil service, there are many in the courts or in the police police force who are very honorable in their conduct. In fact, the truth is, it's probably majority of people in these positions do a really good job at what they do. You just look around you and see that all over the place. We live in a country that's governed by the rule of law. If somebody breaks into your home, you call up the police, and in short order, you have an officer who's there to arrest the man for what he's done wrong. About 
somebody commits a crime, then the normal course of events is that the man is charged and the judge meets out the appropriate sentence for the crime the man has committed. Well, on top of that, if you consider the work that our government does, there's so many different things, so many different services that they provide for us. The government legislates and organizes universal access to the fantastic health care system. If you break a leg, you show up at the emergency, they set your leg and they get you on your feet again and it doesn't cost you a dime. The government has arranged this incredible network of roads to get wherever you want to go in a reasonable period of time. Our city council arranges to assure that we have this abundant supply of clean drinking water. We have a sewage system. We have a garbage disposal system. Now, these things don't happen by themselves. These things are the result of many government officials faithfully completing the duties that we saw. If you still have any doubts about how blessed we are to have the government we have, then spend some time in other places in the world. In some areas today, where there's rebellion and uprising against the government, that's led to civil war because of what's going on in Syria over the last year. Or in other countries, corruption is so deeply seated that the only way you can accomplish any basic task in society is by paying off the appropriate officials. If you think about it from that perspective, you realize how extremely blessed we are in the place where we live. We have many diligent parents and teachers. We have office bearers and husbands and government officials who wisely use their authority for the well-being of the people under their care. So instead of criticizing the government, instead of complaining about your teachers or parents, God tells us to honor those who have been set over you. So I've summarized our text with that theme. The Lord calls us to submit to those in authority over us. We're going to look at two things. In the first place, the source of authority. And secondly, the purpose of authority. First, the source. Do you know why? God calls us to submit to those in authority over us? It's pretty basic. In the first place, it's that those people have received their authority from you. The Lord is king. He's the one who's seated on the throne. What he's done is sometimes he exercises his authority directly. Just think about many of the things that happen in our lives. These are directly out of the providential care and authority of God. God made us. God gives us a certain character. He gives us certain traits. He puts us in certain families. He makes us live in a certain time. But then the scripture tells us that the Lord has invested his authority in others as well. Probably the first and greatest example of that is in his son, Jesus Christ. He tells us in Matthew 28, where he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If you keep reading through the scriptures, you see that this authority of God has also been invested in others. In a passage like Romans 13, the Apostle Paul says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. The Lord says very clearly there, government authority of government comes from him. The Apostle Peter makes the same point in the passage we read together. 
1 Peter 2.13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. I ask you to notice that phrase, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. The Lord has the authority. He is invested that authority in certain people, as the king or to his governors. So what that means for us today is that the real question we have to deal with is not, do you like the government, or do you think that the government is doing a good job? The real question is, do you respect and submit to the authority of God? that the Lord is the master, then you're going to respect those officers who he sets over you. That's something that Peter gets back to a little later in 1 Peter 2.17. Show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. It's important to notice how closely Peter puts those two commands. Fear God, honor the king key ways that we show God that we hold him in high regard and that we respect him is by honoring the personal representatives he sets over us and puts in our lives. So what that means for us in real life is that we break the law so as with respect to God. Now maybe you don't agree with some of the laws that we put in place. Maybe that you think that some government regulations are dumb wearing a seatbelt is a waste of time, the government is too intrusive in our lives, the taxes we pay are too onerous, it's possible that you think that your teachers are too strict, that they have too many rules, or that your parents are too restrictive, that they just don't understand you. But in those situations, it's very important for us to remember that our obedience to those who are over us is a reflection of our fear of God. The question is, do we love God? And are we thankful for the care that he shows us from him? Do we respect the authority that God has? Are we willing to submit to that rule in our lives? If we do love God, if we do respect him, what are key ways that we show that is by respecting those who he sets over us. In fact, extremely disrespectful very hateful to God, to dishonor those who we set over us. Apostle Paul spells it out very clearly in Romans 13, verse 2. Consequently, he who rebels against the authorities is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring down judgment upon themselves. Now, it's not to say that parents or teachers, that government officials or office bearers always exercise their authority in the right way. The reality is that they are simply human. There are times when they are proud and self-interested and use their authority to advance their own ends. You know, young people, children, it may be that your parents don't often or don't easily admit to you the weaknesses that they have in exercising authority over you should know that they do that to the Lord. And often
to happen to us as parents when Jesse dies at the end of the day, how we have fallen short in providing guidance and leadership to our children, providing leadership in a kind nature to our students. So we go to the Lord and we ask for his forgiveness. We pray that he would set things right. same time we should recognize that God says it's not an excuse to disobey those who are over us. In the words of our confession, the Lord calls us to be patient with your weaknesses and shortcomings. And that can be a really difficult thing because our natural reaction is that when people abuse the authority they have is that we become frustrated and cynical. We become angry and rebellious. Christ equips us to handle that situation differently. The scripture tells us that patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So if you grovel under those who are set over you, if you think they're not using their authority in a good way, it's really important that you go to the Lord, that you ask him for his Holy Spirit, that he would equip and enable you to give the matter over to him and to be patient with those who sin in the exercise of their authority show that we are followers of Christ by relying on the Holy Spirit to continue to submit to those who are over us. The truth is, if you ask that in faith, God will equip that, equip you to make that a reality in your life. As a Savior, you've done it for us, brothers and sisters. Our Lord Jesus Christ submitted to his father and mother even though they didn't understand him. Our Savior paid taxes to Caesar, even though the man was a despot. He showed respect to Pilate, even though Pilate falsely condemned him to death and his soldiers brutally attacked him and killed him. Throughout the whole course of his life, Jesus Christ was subject to authority, even when those in authority over him exercised that authority in deplorable ways recognizes that God had given those people their authority, he was patient with their weaknesses, and he submitted to them. The reality is that he will equip you to do the same if you look to him in faith. But as we face open, we should recognize that everyone who is in a position of authority, that person has great responsibility to do the very best that they can do in exercising that authority. Government officials and office bearers, teachers and parents, husbands, they will all be held, one account, held to account one day for the way in which they exercise their authority. The Lord really brings up this matter very clearly in his word as well. Ephesians 6 verse 4, the Lord says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Don't exasperate your children. The word for exasperate can mean to make them angry or resentful. God's saying, fathers, don't make your children angry. Don't allow resentment to grow and to fester in their hearts. In Colossians 3.21, the Lord uses a different word. He says, fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Don't embitter them. sometimes? It happens that a father or a mother is always quick
child. You don't really spend time with your children. You're not really involved with the normal everyday events of their lives. It's going to happen to you. The only time you're going to interact with them is when you have to. That's going to be on the occasions when they misbehave. So what's going to happen is that in the dynamic you have with your children, the interaction you have with them is one where you're always telling them off. You're always giving them a hard time. And when your children grow up, they're going to think that they're never good enough. They're always mad at them. Another really exasperating experience for a child is their parents who show favoritism. Few things are more frustrating than when one of the siblings gets special treatment. That tells the child very loudly that you don't love them near as much as you love their brother or sister. In the same way, it can be very difficult for a child to be sarcastic with them, to be ridiculed them. Most children are very sensitive to their parents' comments, and they hurt them deeply when those who are supposed to love them make fun of them. Children also become bitter when their parents accuse them in their anger. If you're frustrated, if you're irritated with the way things go at work, and you keep that inside, that's pent up until the time you're sitting around the dinner table, and when you sit around the dinner table, you blow up at your children, and you let out all, you vent all the frustration of the day, your children grow resentful. And our Father forgives us, He forbids us live in that way by his grace. If we've sinned against our children in these ways, then we must confess our sins to them. We must ask them for their forgiveness. Maybe that's a good thing for us to do when we get home tonight. Sit around the dinner table and have a conversation about these things. Parents, ask your children when it's hardest for them to submit to you. And apologize to them. Confess your sins to them forgive you for the ways that you've sinned against them. Children, ask your parents when you've rebelled against their authority and confess to them that you've sinned in doing so. Ask them for their forgiveness. When we humble ourselves before God, brothers and sisters, we have to ask Him to change us and keep us. He has the power to do so. And He loves to do that for us if we look to Him in faith. then to the second point, the purpose of authority. By now it should be pretty clear that God wants us to submit to our parents since their authority comes from Him. But do you know what God intends parents to do with the authority that God has invested in them? Do you know why God gives parents authority over their children? We actually read the answer to that in a passage I quoted a few moments ago in Ephesians 6 verse 4. It says there, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Then it continues, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. God says here that parents have the sacred task of bringing up their children in the instruction of the Lord. And in fact, brothers, that's the primary task that you have towards your children. Now, it's very striking in this regard. Most men a real sense of responsibility with providing for their families. Most men, you, you're 
young men, you go to school, you get an education, you get a good job. You want to make sure that you make enough money to be able to provide well for your family. And a lot of men have a real deep sense of, of conviction that this is a great responsibility that they have for their families. And that's a really beautiful thing. The Lord actually says in his word, he says in one place, that if you don't care for your family, especially for your immediate relatives, that you've denied the faith, you're worse than an unbeliever. The context there is he's talking about caring for widows. The principle applies to his family. If a man doesn't provide for his family, then something's really wrong at a really basic level in his life. But having said that, it's just really interesting that this is not the issue that you make promises around when your child is baptized. Because parents bring up a child in order to have that child baptized, and there's one area where parents promise that they will do something for their children. And what they promise there is they promise to bring their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So you promise, as father and mother, to bring up your child to the best of your ability doctrines of scripture which we summarized in the Old Testament this morning. You promise it that you're going to do your very best to raise your children in the fear of the Lord. Now that is a primary responsibility for your children, brothers and sisters. That's the one thing that you promise you're going to do for them. You're going to tell them who God is. You're going to tell your children about how rich they are children of the living God. To that end, you really have to train them to know the Lord, so that they would trust Him, that they would love Him, and that they would worship Him. That's what God calls parents to do in a passage like Psalm 78. We're going to sing of that in a minute. You will not hide them from their children. You will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. Psalm 78, it's one of the longest psalms in the Psalter, the psalmist goes on and he recounts a whole list of the things that God has done for his people. It is the father who's instructing his son. He's saying, you need to know the Lord. He's saying, these are the kinds of things you need to know about the Lord. You need to know that he's a God who delivered his people from Egypt. He's a God who parted the Red Sea. He's a God who gave manna and meat to his people in the desert to know that he's a God who drove out the Canaanites before them. He fulfilled his promise. He gave them the land that he had promised to give them. You need to know how our forefathers rebelled against God, how he punished them for that, but then how he renewed and restored them again after that. You need to know how he chose David to lead them, and how David took care of the people of God. praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. And today, we've got a lot to add to that list of things. We don't only have to tell the people, tell our children about what God did for his people in the Old Testament. Today, we can tell them about the incredible things that God has done for them in Jesus Christ. We have the task, we've been given the authority to ensure that our children understand great sacrifice that God made in sending Christ to die on the cross for their sins. We must tell our children about the power that Jesus Christ has over sin, the power he has over the devil, 
Our children can't grow up with the sense that sin has the ultimate power in their lives, and they can't break free from the power of sin. If your children grow up with that sense, then you've failed them. They must know Jesus Christ. They must know him as their Savior. They must know what Christ has done for them, that Christ has won the victory, that death is not the end, that we are citizens of another kingdom. We must teach our children about the power of the Holy Spirit. We must let them know that they're not condemned to a life of sin, but that they can look to God for help so that they can fulfill their task of living holiness before their God. primary task, brothers, the first place to brothers, it's also the sisters, but the first place is to brothers, your primary task is to make sure that your children know about the love and the power of God, and that they can trust Him to show that in their life of service before Him. Now, another example of a place that Philip calls us to this, we just need to consider the book of Proverbs. The whole focus of the book of Proverbs is that a father teaches his son how to be wise. He teaches his son that wisdom starts with fear of the Lord, but it's found in walking in God's ways in this world. Now that's our task, brothers. So much of our day is spent earning money or busy with other people or busy with other things we don't have time to teach our own children about who God is, about what God has done for them. Something's out of balance in our lives. We have received authority from God over our children in order that they might learn about God from us. Let us then ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit so that he might enable us Society has also adopted the mindset that no one has the right to tell me what to do. Even children sometimes have that attitude in their dealings with their parents. You can say that. Who do you think you are telling me what to do? The sad reality is that some parents even buy into that mindset. They're unwilling to exercise their authority over their children. Their children put up resistance to their authority instead of explaining how they have received authority from God, how they are called to exercise their authority, some parents pander to their children. They're unwilling to uphold and to enforce God's law in the lives of their children. Don't ever fall into that trap, brothers and sisters. We need to teach our children to respect those over them and submit to their authority. off when they get to school, they have trouble submitting to their teachers. But instead of taking responsibility for themselves, instead of realizing that the reason they're not doing well is because they themselves don't perform, they often gain 
you are blamed as teachers for the way you are customers. And a little later, you get into the workforce, you'll have trouble at work. You'll have some young person who's still wet behind the ears, who's not willing to take the leadership and to, to respect the authority of his boss. He instead thinks that he knows better, and he's not going to last long in that job. He's going to lose his job. The same thing is going to happen when the next place door closes, and the next place door closes. If your child doesn't submit to authority, then he's going to have problems with the police. One day, the police is going to pull him over. And instead of showing respect for the officer, because he has a big mouth for the man, in the end, the officer will not only charge him the full fine, he'll charge him whatever other small infraction he may be guilty of. And that becomes a habit, and the young man ends up with something of a reputation for progression. And if young people don't respect authority, then they're also not going to respect the authority of the office bearers when they warn and admonish him about sin in his life. And if he's not willing to accept the admonition of the office bearers, in the end, it's very well possible that he leaves the church and that he leaves the service of the Lord altogether. That's an incredibly sad outcome. It's not uncommon for parents not to teach their children to submit to authority. We have a task, brothers and sisters, Father has invested us with authority over our children, he calls us to use that authority to teach our children to walk with him. He expects us to teach our children to submit to our authority so that they may also learn to submit to his authority in their lives. Let us then pray to God that he would strengthen us to do that task. Because there's really good news that God doesn't leave it up to ourselves what we do with authority. He promises to strengthen us and empower us as his servants. And he also promised to forgive our failings for the sake of his son, Jesus Christ. In a similar way, you young people, you boys and girls, you also have a task. You have to listen to your parents. You have to respect their authority. Now, that's not always an easy thing to do. But do ask the Lord for his help and he will strengthen you wisdom and discernment. We just read together from 1 Peter, where we are told that Christ set an example for us by submitting to those who are over him, even though they abused their authority in terrible ways. Instead of rebelling against them or instead of retaliating, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And the good news that the good news Peter says is that he not only does this to set an example for us, Scripture says, he also bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. What he really means here, when he refers to us dying to sin and living to righteousness, is that Christ will enable us to stop sinning. He will equip us to begin doing what's righteous, to begin doing what's right in his sight. The good news that Peter says here is that God will forgive us for our sins and also equip us to stop doing those same sins again and instead begin to submit to the authority that God calls us to. 
loves to live life in a way that God's presence is there and to extract those that are needy.